Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Endless Space 2, Stellaris, Age of Wonders Planetfall, Driftland, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. Yourself? Uh, I'm dealing with a little bit of a cold, so I want to go ahead and apologize to the listeners ahead of time for all the sniffles you may hear during the podcast tonight. I'm just a little bit under the weather. Um, one of those summer colds, I guess. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens. Yep. What are you, yep. you going to do, right? Uh Try to get better as quick as I can. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with mm-hmm. gaming news, and we're going to kick it off with Endless Space 2 tonight. Sure thing. And uh, it got a pretty significant patch this past week, and I'm just going to hit some of the highlights, or at least some of the things I thought were pretty cool. So the AI got a, a good pass here. It, it fixed some problems with technology and pathfinding and not being able to use behemoths properly. Uh, the the AI for the Hisho, when you're not playing them, can now interact with pirates properly. So that's going to be good. Uh, a couple interesting rebalances as well. Hunt and raise. With, uh, those are like um, military actions you can take against uh, like a planet or something. For the Vodiani, will no longer have an approval penalty, which makes sense. Because, you know, they're basically parasites, right? And then also... The Hisho population trait has been changed to plus one manpower per turn. That seems strong. Nate, that's for each population unit, right? Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure how this is gonna work out because if it stacks, this is gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, that that seems really strong. So it, it might be a typo even. I I'm kind of uh, paying attention to see what the feedback is on the amplitude forums. Right. So we'll kind of we'll have to re-examine this a little later again. Yeah, I mean, like if it were just plus one overall for the whole empire, like that wouldn't be enough. To no, no, that anything. wouldn't be that. That wouldn't do anything at all. But if it was plus one per population unit, that seems super strong. Maybe it would make more sense if it's say plus no. Yeah, no, it's the way manpower works, right? It's it's it is actually per population unit that you commit to this, you know? Yeah. So So we'll know. have to see. We'll have to see. We'll uh, have to see. Yeah, if you if you just get that passive, that that seems really really strong. Uh anyway, let's see what else. Um oh yeah, there's a new empire improvement for the Riftborn that unlocks more singularity slots once you get into stages three, four, and five for the science and exploration quadrants in the tech pizza. So that seems pretty strong as well because, I mean, those singularities, like I've won a bunch without using the singularities, but if you want to use the singularities, they make a huge difference in the game. So, uh, and, and, and then uh, the behemoths, uh, got a good look at this was only going to happen because when you introduce a whole new ship type there's going to be people using them in ways you hadn't expected or there'll be little bugs or problems pop up so the behemoths are getting uh, a pass through as well fixing some problems and also rebalancing them and then 
you know, just in general, pages and pages of new things. Uh, for the multiplayers out there, a lot of desync fixes. So hopefully, after this patch, Endless Space 2 will be a much, much better game. Absolutely. And speaking of space, let's move on to talk about Stellaris with their continuation. So this is part three of four. So we have one more coming up for the planetary rework. And so far, um, I, I'm really liking the changes they're making. But at the same time, I'm wondering how much micromanagement it's going to introduce. So there's always that element. And until we get to play it, we won't really know. But this week, they're talking about something called planetary stability. And this is kind of like happiness, but different. So the way it works is you have thresholds. So, for example, um, it starts from zero to 100%. So the base, and, and this kind of, it's, it's reminiscent of how other 4X games handle this, but with a twist. So every planet begins at 50%. And then the stability bonuses can increase based on the population, based on, uh, so population happiness and approval. And that has to do with politics, that has to do with amenities. So that's another thing that they introduced. That has to do with crime. So that's something that wasn't really there. If, if I remember correctly, the only real element of crime were some quest chains, like espionage type chains, or like the birth of space piracy. But that's it. There was really no, crime was kind of rolled into it, but didn't really play a role. But it will here. But first, let's begin with happiness and approval ratings. So that really depends on several things. That depends on the type of population you have, whether it is, uh, because there could be stratification in, within your empire. So you have some that are like super rich and specialized. You have some that are just like, you know, just the service industry and some that are slaves. So it really depends on who is there and what the proportions are, what your political um, parties, who's ruling, you know, who's ruling your empire. So that's a lot of similarities to before, but there's more of a breakdown now. And also the way you play. So in the past, you could have picked one political government, but played it any way you want. Well, now you're going to have to follow those edicts. Well, okay, edicts is not correct because there are already edicts in the game, but you're going to have to follow those political mainstays, I guess, for lack of a better word. Because if you don't, then the people that follow the party are going to be like, wait a minute, we thought we elected somebody and we got something else and we're unhappy. So that's one. So then you have amenities. Now, amenities are... In other games are usually like luxury resources or buildings that provide happiness. So here it's kind of kind of sort of doing the same thing where for each building you have, you got to have some amenities. And if you don't have enough amenities, then you people are unhappy. So amenities, I don't know if we role play this in our head as, okay, well, here's an amenity building. So this is an arcade or, you know, my population is very brutal. So they want to have a Coliseum or, or some equivalent or some, you know, mixed alien martial arts where they can fight the Kumite against one another. I don't know, something like that. Or maybe movie theaters or hollow theaters or brothels or whatever. So I don't know if there's going to be the specifics, how detailed they're going to get, but they're going to, they will have, they will have some details like that. Hopefully will get revealed next week or in future. And then finally there's crime. And now crime is interesting because crime is not going to have a direct impact. So in, in 4X games in the past, you had issues with crime. Or actually, no, you know what game really did an interesting job with it? It was like the SimCity games. The way you, they handled crime there, you had to build like police stations, you had to build prisons and things like that to offset increase education. Here it's kind of similar but different. So what it will do is, is it's not going to have a negative effect, like an immediate negative effect. Oh, somebody's house got robbed. But what it can have is it can have an overall depreciation to the stability of the planet. It can also have an overall depreciation to the general happiness, and it can start chains, like event chains, which can lead to quest types where like maybe a syndicate moves into the planet and takes over a particular resource and, you know, it starts that or, you know, like a real cause for why space piracy begins. Because if you just, you know, take over one resource in space, it doesn't automatically mean that, okay, space pirates just appeared and they're much more powerful than your empire. Yet somehow they're part of your empire, you know? So these, these three elements 
are all going to impact stability. And the, the one thing I haven't mentioned yet with stability is that at 50%, it's fine. As you move further and further up, it gets better. But as you drop below 50%, you can have stuff like riots. You can have stuff like hunger strikes. You can have stuff like uh, criminal extended, extensive criminal activity, which impacts uh, like the production on your planet or, you know, sabotage of structures. So it's things that we've seen before in other games, not necessarily 4X to be specific, but it'll be interesting to see how it is implemented here. And the one twist right away is that you're going to have some event chains. And that's, I think, that is a real strength that Stellaris has over many 4X games is the fact that you have so many events and they, they recently tweaked it and they're going to continue tweaking and adding more and more. So, I mean, I think that's the, that's the RPG aspect of this 4X and uh, Grand Strategy Hybrid. And I like it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to when version 2.9 comes out <laughs> to dive in, you know, or maybe 2.5 or something like that. Because I'm going to wait for a few more versions before I jump in for any major time. Because it's just too many things shift too too often, you know? Yeah, I don't blame you a bit. So it, it's harder to nail a play style. And this is something that a lot of the veteran Stellaris players say. It's like, wait a minute, 1.9 was perfect. Then they made all of this in 2.0 and they're continuing to tweak and like, you know, acquiescing to some demands. And another one saying like, look, you know, you got to trust us. We have a uh, like an, we have an idea. We have a plan and we're following the the path to make this plan a reality and at the end you will love it and it's like okay well what can you do this is this is paradox this is how they do things and anybody that bought into these games be it stellaris or any of their other games that doesn't understand this i'm i'm sorry but they don't hide this this is not a like some kind of a hidden agenda this is a feature they they they're proud of it you know so you guys and gals that are buying into this you guys got to be prepared for such thing or you know what? Maybe just play. You, you can roll back your version to whatever version you want. So maybe not worry about any other content and just, you know, enjoy it for what it is or what it was, right? Yeah, there you go. So how about Dominus Galaxia? <sighs> okay, so this is um this is one of those games that's a Master of Orion like spiritual successor. And this is a game that Ale, the community member, uh was helping, might still be helping. I don't know the the specifics, but I know there was involved with the AI. So, you know, this game is going to have an AI. And this is a game that we were excited for. We saw some footage for. We featured in one of our pieces a while back, like I think at the beginning of the year, as an anticipated game. And from time to time, we hear something from the developers. Then pretty much for the whole summer, they kind of disappeared. And people were like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? Where'd you guys go? So, you know, on the one hand, Look, being an indie developer is not easy. Most indie developers do not do it as their primary job, so they have to earn a living somehow. Second of all, they did not do any crowdfunding campaign. They didn't take any money from anybody. So just to the detractors, you know, chill out, folks. They didn't do anything wrong. They're releasing on their schedule, so give them a break. This, this is looking very interesting. It might be what we need. And third of all, they came back with the, so they for the past week I think they've been updating the the thread that we have in our forum, where they're communicating with the you know the group members and people are asking questions, and they've been basically posting like these walls of text with all this information. So towards the end of the week, beginning of the weekend, I'm like, hey guys, if you wouldn't mind just putting it all together like into a dev diary post or something like that said it would be awesome because then we can just include it in the notes and people can see everything in one place and they're like yeah of course and that's what they did so they begin their update which they call the last 10 percent they begin it by um talking about development a little bit like you know the first, the 90 percent and the 10 percent so the last 10 percent are the hardest because you know you've been involved you got to make sure you don't get tunnel vision you got to step back you know at the same time you need to take feedback you need to see where the shortcomings of the game are and you know just to hang in there because it's coming excellent i'm i'm very happy to read that then they um they do a quick uh, business update like here's this is what we're planning to do uh you know, we probably will need to do some kind of crowdfunding, but before we do that, we'll get the game to a state that we can present the game. It won't be crowdfunding 
with sight unseen. It'll be crowdfunding with here's where we're at. This is what we need. But I mean, the bulk of the stuff is done. We just need, you know, some money for this or that. Maybe art, maybe music, maybe just, you know, some final UI work that they need to hire somebody from the outside. But, you know, this is kind of the model that Muha Games does with Thea. So when they they failed their crowdfunding, but at each time, you know, the game was in a very playable state. So it's, you know, it is what it is. But like when they when they did the crowdfunding for Thea 2, Thea The Shattering, is I ever was like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. So maybe Dominus Galaxia will have the same luck, you know, like, hey, our game is ready, our game is good, come check it out, help us, you know, do the last stretch of it. So then uh, they go on to talk about what their... Um, what they're working on. So they reworked the wrong ladder for Master of Orion 1. So um, it, it ex- so unless you played Master of Orion 1, you won't really know what they're talking about. So And if you did play Master of Orion 1, I recommend you jump into our thread and just converse in there because there's a lot of good information. So I'll kinda, I'm just going to scoot on to the next thing. So then, then they're talking about uh, ship designs and uh, comparing like human ship design to AI ship designs. Then they talk about um, colonization, different types of colonization, which is another good thing. So if you'll notice, a lot of games that are Master of Orion clones or spiritual successors are spiritual successors of Master of Orion 2. This is the one game that's a spiritual successor of Master of Orion 1, which is a much simpler UI, uh, much simpler, more streamlined way of managing planets, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how it is. Like, I think the last game that kind of tried for something like that a little bit was Dawn of Andromeda. And they were like, it was kind of hit or, hit or miss, if I remember correctly. I think that's what it was. Anyway, so then they're talking about Star Lanes. Now, huh, I know, like, you just groaned as soon as this says Star Lanes. You're like, no, not Star Lanes. Well, the funny thing is, is that they asked their community, their closed beta testers, And a lot of them were like, no, 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 we don't want Starlings. So they did something. They kind of incorporated it as an option. And then they were playing one version with, one version without. And a lot of people were like, oh, we like how you implemented it. This isn't bad. So this might be kind of similar to how Stellaris was a 1.0, where you have multiple modes of travel. This is kind of also how Endless Spaces in later versions when you open up the tech where initially you start traveling through star lanes, but then later on you can jump between like free travel or maybe even jump from wormhole to wormhole. So maybe it might be something to that level, or maybe you hate star lanes so much you never want to see them and you can just possibly turn it off and not even have it available. So we'll see. Then they talk about um, something they want to add is espionage. And to them, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big thing about espionage so they plan to have it done before they do their kickstarter or whatever crowd indiego indiegogo whatever they end up doing for crowdfunding and um so that's going to be a feature that's in the game at release versus being as an add-on and in a future point let me see what else uh then they talk about um the ai they talk about first they talk about diplomacy and the ai and as far as how diplomacy works and how bonuses work, like racial bonuses and how the AI reacts to it and then how it all works with multiplayer. And basically, the main thing that a lot of people in all 4X games complain about or even strategy games, like, oh, the AI has all these unfair advantages and it can do this and it can do that and it can see the map and it has bonuses, passive bonuses, active bonuses, you know, that's how the AI gets better. And here they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to give you an AI that plays by some set of rules, probably similar rules or slightly different rules, but enough so it's not unfair. And when you're playing, for example, multiplayer, any of these racial bonuses that don't really matter to a human player will matter because the plus 10 or plus 5 or whatever you know bonus you get will have an impact on offers that you get or will have an impact on what kind of deals you can make with other human players. And and if you're playing the single-player game, it'll definitely have an impact on the AI because the AI is going to look at, like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be a good guy and you're doing this. Oh, you're a bad guy. Okay, well, we don't want to deal with you or we're going to all band together and take you out. At least that's how I'm reading it, and I'm hoping that's how it is. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. They have a lot of ambitious plans that they plan to 
apply or incorporate before the end of the year. So the other thing they said is that they want to have something available for the wider community either by the end of the year or beginning of next year. And, uh, you know, what can we do? Just wait and be hopeful. And then I guess the last thing they talked about was a DLC model and discussing how they are thinking of doing DLC, which is very interesting because they're like, look, if you don't like the game, it doesn't matter what kind of DLC we have. A lot of people will never look again. But if you do like the game and you don't have the money, then you wait a little bit hoping for sale. Well, what they're doing is they're going to considering a plan where each month after the release of a DLC, the price drops automatically. And by the time that it hits zero, that DLC will get integrated into the game. So even if you didn't buy it, if you were not an early adopter of this DLC content, you know, six months, 12 months down the way, you get it for free anyways. That's very interesting. Right? And then they get the next one rolling. So they're like basically at the end of the development cycle, all the DLC that came out for the game will be available for free. And this is kind of a situation, in my opinion, that's not just interesting, but very forward thinking. Yeah, I because agree. a lot of right, a lot of times people are like, oh my God, it's gonna be so expensive. I'm just gonna wait till it's half price, seven sales from now. But what if you buy the game and then you're like, oh, I don't know, it's too expensive, and you don't have to wait for sale. You just wait a couple of months, the DLC price will drop, and you can pick it up. And then you're going to be like, wow, this game is great. These these devs are amazing. Oh, I absolutely want to support them. So when the next DLC is up for you know for release, you're going to be like, no, these guys are awesome. I want to give them my money, and you pick up the DLC at full price. But your friend is like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. You're like, well, you know, just sit back and wait. A couple of months, it'll be a lot less expensive, you know. And that's that's interesting because. That's that's forward thinking. It would be amazing if that's how other developers did it. But you know what? I don't know. I, I can't imagine like a big studio is going to be like, yeah, let's do this. That's a great idea. Let's just not charge for our work. And what's the worst that can happen, right? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll definitely cheer them on and, and hope that something interesting comes from that. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to Children of the Galaxy. We got a small update from them this past week. And it all involves personnel. Personnel, it's it's kind of like Stellaris, you know, where you can hire scientists and admirals and that sort of thing. But they're not really heroes, like in Endless Space 2, where they're, they've got all these really amazing abilities and they level up. And, like, each one has its own unique model and that sort of thing. So... Anyway, the the AI for personnel is now working. There are 26 variants on the personnel to choose from. Uh, they are uh, temporary in that they get old and die, kind of like in Stellaris. And so, you know, you'll have to, you know, gradually replace them as you go along. Also, they added a couple bug fixes and improved uh, the performance of the core gameplay. So hopefully that means faster AI and turns overall. So that's what we got out of Children of the Galaxy. I want to commend them for continuing to uh, develop the game despite the fact that very few people are, are taking much notice of it. Absolutely. And there's, there's a couple of indie devs that have released games in the last year or so that didn't get a lot of fanfare, but they keep chugging away. And even though the game came out, a lot of the bigger media sites didn't cover, but they're like, look, you know, I understand. I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to be, one day I'm going to make it big. And that's, I, I, I appreciated it. And they're, you know, some of those games are very interesting and hopefully they continue. And I mean, I know some of your impressions of Children of the Galaxy, like, oh my God, so much micromanagement. But you know, it's uh, it's being they're continuing development and maybe they will address some of those issues, you know, and a future point somebody else will say and then another person like, oh, OK, OK, all right. Yeah, I see it. I see it now. Let me see. Let me go back from the dev side. Let me go back in and tweak it. And all of a sudden the game's like, oh, oh OK, game's not bad anymore, you know. So that that remains to be seen. But yes, absolutely. We, we wish them the best. We want them to keep working at it, chugging away. And, you know, make it the game that they want it to be. And hopefully the community picks up on it. And, uh, okay, let's move on from just straight up space and let's get terrestrial. Uh, so let's talk about the latest dev diary from 
Triumph Studios for Age of Wonders Planetfall. And this one is further honing in on the commander. And do you remember last week when we were talking about it, I said that the system, like your leader, the way you develop them, the way you put basically assemble them, you like the leader creator, and then your assign skills and stuff is very similar to Age of Wonders 3. Well, yeah, naturally. So it's so it's continuing. So this week they showed us some of the artwork, which is fantastic. Their, their art team at Triumph is awesome. They did a really good job with uh, Age of Wonders 3, with each of the expansions, all the new factions and all the customizations you can have. And it shows that it's continuing. Now, what's really interesting to me is that some of this aesthetic is making me think of Beyond Earth, you know? Yeah, you've mentioned that before. And and if you look at it, you can see, like, hints of it. Like, like at least one of the factions has hints. And... Also a little bit of XCOM, a little bit of like how the armor fits and stuff like that. But then you have the the same thing that they did for Age of Wonders 3. They're very poseable, so you can change their stance, you can change their facial expressions, you can change... Because this is how the leader is seen when you have diplomatic interactions. And another thing is, is that this leader, this is basically your avatar in the game, and this is a hero unit... Or a command, like a commander or a city governor or whatnot, that is playable. You know, this isn't like in Civ where you are, you know, the ephemeral leader of a civilization that somehow survives for six and a half thousand years. You know, the Methuselah of of Earth. But these leaders are like your first hero. If the if your leader dies, you're in quite a bit of trouble. And here they're talking about. You know how they you're gonna customize them. How you have the like the secret tech that you know they can ride vehicles and things like that, which is again all kind of a throwback to Age of Wonders three. And I think the system that they had there is fantastic, and what they're doing here is taking it like to the next level. You know, so if on a scale of one to ten, the the leader customization in Age of Wonders three was like eight eight point five or nine. This one is a 9 to 9.5, and if, if we see more, then it could even be a 9.5 or a 10. And I'm very, I'm so hyped for this game. I'm so ready. I so want to play this. Yeah, I don't blame you. Don't blame me at all. I think we're all looking forward to it. Uh, Driftland, the Magic Revival, got an update mm-hmm. this past week, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of it involved either the heroes, and what you can do now is like destroy the building that the hero came from, which debuffs the hero. So that's a problem for you, but also a strategic opportunity, you know, where you can attack your enemies' uh, buildings and weaken their heroes. And uh, a lot of bug fixes and refining of the AI. That's that's a big part of what this was all about. So a couple other just minor visual things. that They're reworking the Dark Elves and some of the other visuals in the game, improving them. But the big thing is... Bug fixes, AI improvements, and an interesting new strategic wrinkle with being able to destroy the buildings heroes come from. So, uh, you know, if you're into RTS 4X games, Driftland is going to give you something a little bit different from what you get from others. So, I like it. I think it's a neat game. Yeah, it's kind of like hands-off, a little bit hands-off, a little bit more god game. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Right, a, l- a little right? bit more. Now, not a lot. Don't think it. No, it, no, it is right, like a right. god game. But you're right. It it is a little bit more hands off than that. Yeah, you're you're kind of encouraging your citizenry in a particular direction, almost like black and white or populous or sort of. Mm, yeah, not quite. Like a, that, a little bit it's, similar. The, it's kind of like the idea, but applied in a forex. How would something like that look in a forex? Because you can't take your unit and say, okay, you're moving here and you're attacking. You're trying to motivate them to do what you want them to do, right? Right, exactly. And if you're well, not doing you, a good you job, you make the suggestion as long as you're doing a good job as a leader, they'll right, they'll do what right. you say. But if you're not doing a good job, they tell you not so many words that uh, they're not going to listen to you. Right, right. So also this past week, uh, Aggressors Ancient Rome came out, and um, I got to be honest, like I'm a little bit surprised with the game's Steam score at the moment. It's got a mixed review, and I think that. That's a little unfair to the game. So I went through, I started reading the user reviews for the game, 
And a lot of the complaints, well, there's some that are silly. Like, there's one where the guy complains it doesn't scale up very well for his 4K monitor. And I'm like, um, yeah, first world problems there. Uh, and there's another one, um, you know, it, there's several that complain about the soundtrack not being the greatest. So they gave it a download for that. But the the others primarily talk about how complicated the game is, how many rules there are, how many mechanics there are. And I do agree that there are a lot of rules and mechanics in Aggressor's Ancient Rome, but the thing is, the tutorial for the game is excellent. And if you play the tutorial, you'll understand those mechanics pretty easily. And so when, you know, I see somebody with like 0.1 hours in the game, giving it a thumbs down, I, I know that that person probably didn't play through the tutorial because it's going to take you longer than that. It's good. It, the tutorial is immense. So when I see people with less than 30 minutes giving it a, a thumbs down, they didn't give the game a fair shake. Uh, it, it's not the greatest game ever. It, it isn't. But it's got a lot of very unique aspects to it. I think it's, it's perfectly fine for uh, a historical 4X game. The, the complexity is kind of under the surface really your decisions aren't all that you're not you're you're not presented with so many decisions every turn that it's like information overload you don't have to deal with that it what what the complexity comes from is there are consequences for your decisions and so the domino effect can be very complicated and perhaps off-putting for people but you know saying it's got a 200 page rule book in the game which you know it's like a civilopedia type thing uh, to me, that's not a that's not a problem. The game's giving you information. We I wish more games would go to the trouble to include that much information. So anyway, Aggressor's Ancient Rome is out. I think it's a fine game. I don't think it's a great game, uh, but I think it's definitely a fine fine game. And I think it deserves better than you know mid sixties Steam score. It's it's yep. certainly better than that. Well, this this is almost like a different conversation here that's separate from the game itself but i i know in the past mo several months i've been ragging on the, the whole steam curation thing and this just goes towards that this the whole common thing if a person has not played a game especially a 4x game you know the, the comment about not fitting not scaling up to 4k that's just ridiculous because you know what the game doesn't say that it scales to 4k this game is not being produced by if this was made by firaxis or you know maybe made by i don't know amplitude even or stardock or something like that okay yeah i can see that complaint having validity Right, but this is a small studio. This is Slytherin, Matrix Slytherin as the publisher. This is, you know, really they're very narrow focused. It's all about giving you the best bang for your buck, and the best bang for your buck in a game like this is good gameplay, not the most amazing music and the best graphics. Now, if a game has amazing music and great graphics, woohoo! Right? Yeah, for sure. But the what we're asking for is we want an interesting game that gives us interesting choices. We got it here. We want to understand what some of these choices are. Well, you have this 200, as you say, 200-page compendium that's attached to it. That's like the the aggressorpedia, I guess. I don't know. I yeah, don't know what yeah, to I mean, call it's it. It's like its own wiki site inside the game. So you don't yeah. even have to leave the game to look at it. You know how like some games will have a manual and yeah. you have to get out Close of the game it down. to look yep. at it. Yep. Well, or you have to launch it in window mode. Right. Like, Right. In aggressors, you don't. It's it's built right into the game. So, so I don't know. Yeah, I, me either. I mean, it should be removed unless oh, it, I mean, 85 like reviews. one-tenth of an hour on there. So they played like six minutes and said, no, nope, can't do it. Yeah. That, that, I get that. I, I understand. Nope, can't do it. It's happened to me. But I wouldn't leave a review. Now, right. if a game that, I guess that happened to me with, uh, what was it, Distant Worlds. <laughs> I logged into yeah. that for the first time. I was like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't <laughs> score the game down. Oh, it's no, a garbage game. No, of course game. not. Because no, I know, just like, I know eh. lots of people play it, you know. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, anyway, so, let, let's talk about Oriental Empires. What's going on yes. over there? So they've been kind of quiet lately. They've had... Um, they they post on Twitter from their main account showing, like, some screen grabs from community members. And I've seen some, like, 
epic epic battles i just don't play on maps that big to get so many military units to be able to to support such large armies but yeah it's pretty cool so anyways so this week they released an update and what they did is they added a scenario editor that's supported by the steam workshop so basically you have the tools to create your own scenarios and you can host it through the steam workshop to share it with other people and i think that's kind of a big thing because I don't know if that means that later on you're going to have further capabilities of editing the game, you know, like doing like doing mods for it and things like that. But even that, so the game currently has the, like a warring states um, scenario, but you can create other ones if you want. You can play cities, you can, you know, place resources, things like that. You can create custom flags and things of that nature. So that's cool. Then they went in and they started fixing things in battles like um, functionality. So I'll, I'll do a, one, a one-to-one over here. One of the major issues with Total War games is that unit behavior doesn't make sense. A lot of times you'll have a unit that's completely incapable of dealing with cavalry so what does this unit do oh there's cavalry charge it and it gets destroyed or cavalry oh look there's a bunch of pikemen obviously we can defeat it because it's happened in history all of zero times you know so you'll have units doing strange things or like a unit that has a lot of archers that will you know is supposed to target for ranged combat they engaged in hand-to-hand well this wasn't an issue that was that big of a deal in Oriental Empires, but it did happen. Like some aspects of units didn't work. So one of the things that they did is they're changing how sieges work. So once a city puts up walls, you can't just attack a city because it'll have a couple of choke points and the walls really do protect the city. So now that so you have siege weapons. So for example, if you take out one of the um, one of the units that mans the siege weapon. Let me see if, what their particular name is. Artillery crew. So if you take out art, an artillery crew member, in a lot of games, that means the siege weapon is done. And it's like there's so many other people around, like as if nobody has enough sense to be like, okay, no, I'm just going to drop my bow and arrow and help out with this trebuchet over here, you know? So here they adjust that. And that's a nice tiny, that's a tiny little change, but it makes a difference. They... um they fix some crashing issues. They fix how they target from like trebuchets targeting uh, aquatic units like ships that might be in a river or in the sea or in an ocean that's bordering your city. So they did that. Then they they went in and they started doing something in settlements. So you can delete roads. So when so in the game you can create a road network between your cities to speed up travel of merchants or to or create paths for merchants or to speed up travel for military units that. Maybe you don't have a really large empire and you have a lot of enemies around, but you can't afford a lot of armies. So you have to have like kind of this mobility, this fast movement. So they kind of, they put in a system to where you can remove the roads. Now, there was a bug in there that if a city gets raised, the surrounding farmlands around the city still remain. So this, this removes them. Basically, when you raise the city, you raise the farmland. So if somebody starts a new city there, they don't have all this land ready for you know, exploitation. They fixed a couple of multiplayer bugs and then they went in and they changed some stuff for the Chinese localization. So I believe they changed the font for that and, you know, a few other things. And again, this is a title that had a little bit of hype before it came out, but not so much afterwards, but has a very active and loyal community. And I'm writing the review for it and I'm hoping that I will have the review up in the next maybe two weeks. It's at the point now, I'll say this here, so it's at the point now where it's ready for major editing. I just need to grab a little bit more art. Um, I can't play this on my Mac, so it's much harder for me to grab like the art that I want, and doing it on the PC, it's a little trickier for me because I don't write on my PC. So anyways, so once I grab the art that I want and make the final changes, I'll send it off to the editors, and I'm hoping to have this review out and about within two shows. So... Uh, that's that with oriental empires now let's go back into space but let's move away from uh, historical or fantasy and move into science fiction or sci fantasy um a couple of years ago we did a write-up for battlefleet gothic armada one and uh ben and Dallin, they from time to time when they stream on twitch they do it for that we've had some videos 
on our website from the Twitch streams. And when I can, I join them and moderate and we, you know, we kind of hang out and, you know, shoot the breeze and, you know, just have fun. Anyways, so they just released the trailer for the second game. Now, a lot of times these trailers that are released from publishers are red herring. Like you see one thing and you think it's, oh my God, oh my God. And it comes out as something completely different or they're like false flags, even, you know, not here. This trailer is probably one of the best trailers I have ever seen for a game. And I'll, I'll put it on the level of like the Red Dead Redemption trailer, Grand Theft Auto, because Take Two or, you know, or um, is it Take Two? Yeah, it, it's Take Two, right? Take yeah. Two? I, because there's, there's, um, so it's the parent company that owns Fraxis. But anyways. Yeah, it is Take Two. So this trailer the production is insane. You can see that it is not cinematic footage. It's actually a lot of it is gameplay footage. The voiceover work is awesome. And I'm going to spoil it a little bit for those that don't know. Uh, one of the major additions to Battlefleet Gothic Armada 2 are going to be the Necrons. And oh my God, you need to watch this trailer. If you are if you are hesitant, just, just watch it. It's yeah, it's awesome. So that's it. That's all I got to say about it. After you watch it, if you have any more questions, engage me in the comments and I will gladly answer your questions. All right, very cool. Uh, we got another dev diary for Star Control this week. Nine of 13, so only four more to go. And this week was all about the lore. And like one of the things that they wanted to do over at Stardock is kind of square where Star Control Origins fits within the lore of the previous Star Control games. And essentially what they settled on was the multiverse idea where you have similar stories, but they're in parallel universes. So each of the previous Star Controls have their own universe and Star Control Origins has its own. And they threw out something. I'm going to read this for people because maybe they'll get it. But basically, the Star Control 2 universe has the numerical designation 6014, and the Star Control Origins universe has the de designation 6072. It, it says in this dev diary, if you're super fans, that'll mean something to you. Of course, I never played the originals, so none of this uh, means much to me. But anyway, Earth, which is what you're going to play in Origins, is just now reaching for the stars okay it's set in 2088 and america's got it or america earth has its first spaceships out and uh <laughs> hyperdrive is just a new technology and so you're outclassed by everybody that that's the premise of the setting here and one thing that's interesting is they make a a note that the timeline for origins starts in where we are in 2018 so there's never been a nuclear war uh no clone wars or or you know like a, an ai that takes over the whole planet nothing like that so it, it's building for from where we are in history at this moment i thought that was kind of an interesting touch mm -hmm. uh, agreed agreed but anyway um you know it's not as if Earth has a, a huge fleet of ships or anything like that it's not that way at all you've basically got you know, you're 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 gonna start off with your one ship and like a few drop ships and you know smaller things like that, and then you have to explore the galaxy with all these dangerous aliens around, and that sounds uh, intriguing to me, very interesting. Yes, I agree, and I got to play it, and I've played oh, it yeah. a little bit more since, and I will talk about that really, really like really soon in the games we're playing section. Okay, cool. Okay. Now, do you remember? So you know how we do the section about what the what is, and I try to talk about different games every, each week. Right. So one of the games that I talked about, oh, I don't know, four four to six weeks ago, is this four X game that's on the Google Play Store, meaning that it's for the Android platform, called Astro Kings from a South Korean developer. And this game is out, and they're looking at possibly releasing it on the apple ecosystem the ios ecosystem and i've seen i've seen like i've read some of the reviews for it a lot of like positive comments 
and I'm in touch with the developer and I told them if they send me a key, I'll check it out because that's what I use. I don't use an iPhone. So I'm actually use a Samsung. So that puts me also in the South Korean market. So we'll we'll see if uh, if I end up getting a key for it, I'll check it out. Might even do a mobile excursion, not an excursion, but a mobile review for it because it is a 4X game. Right. So we'll have a link for those that might be interested. For those in the Google Play, for the you know Android ecosystem that are lamenting the fact that there's not a lot of stuff for us strategy gamers out there. Here's a game that is out there and came out there first. And I think that's a big one. So, all right. So in this week's What Is, I'm going to talk about a game called Space Haven. Now, Space Haven is a game. Now, I'm going to use their words because it it is um, very indicative of what they're trying to go for. So here it goes. Space Haven is inspired by games like RimWorld, Space Base DF9, Oxygen Not Included, and Dwarf Fortress. That is very ambitious. That is very ambitious because some of those games we've played and we have very high regards, very high opinions of them. And yes. All right. So let's go on. So what is this? So basically there was some kind of a calamity on Earth as usual, the usual trope. Something happened on Earth. A bunch of people got together, you know, slap, slap dash, put, put a spaceship together and took off. And now... This is basically a new space colony slash ship, and they're traveling around. And within it, you can build it out any which way you want, you know, based on the resources. You have various crew interactions. You have various events happening. So it is it is a, a space colony simulator. Probably it's going to have, you know, some roguelike elements uh, some of the main features that you have here, like the the various crew interactions, you can. Um, <laughs> here's a nice one: cool things that can happen in Space Haven. Now, I'm pretty sure this is inspired by a movie, Surviving Mars, and it is grow plants with biomass recycled from toilets. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> well, I mean, you you do need that, uh, you know, you do need that organic fertilizer yeah, somehow. Yeah, right? I don't think. I think using human feces is uh, about the worst thing you can do, though. I you can Even sterilize. Even if it's like it. uh, freeze dried on Mars. No, like, uh, no, he it? didn't. The Martian did that. He didn't. Yeah, the Martian. There you go. I was surviving Mars. That was a game. Sorry. Uh, he didn't so much freeze dry it as he sterilized it. Yeah. That I mean, so. hey, that's they they do that to some degree. They do that on the space station right now. I don't even want to know. <laughs> I guess you're not leaving Earth anytime no, soon, right? I like it here. It's nice. All right. What happens if some kind of calamity happens? Well, I I hope I get taken out in it quickly yeah, and shamelessly. I, I don't uh I don't have uh, any grand aspirations. I have a motto, survival is overrated. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna talk about um last month's poll and okay. it was what was the one feature that really draws you to Stellaris and the mm-hmm. one that got the most votes was events and quests and that's kind of like what you mentioned earlier in the show talking about mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. uh you know people are really drawn to that for the game so it's not too surviving or surprising that that right. one uh a close second though was the awesome faction customization which i kind of have to agree that the level of variance between games if you really mm-hmm. want to ha- have a different experience in Stellaris mm-hmm. is is very easily attainable and quite engaging at the same time. Yeah, uh, and there were mm-hmm. what's interesting is between those two it took 70% of the votes. Yeah, right. Uh there were nine trolls that voted for the AI and uh five people who haven't played that voted for combat. So, uh and then Eight people who are really sarcastic that voted for the awesome mid game. So <laughs> mid or late game. Yeah, I actually think the late game isn't so bad, but the mid game is is, is really awful. So anyway, that's the results from that poll. We got a new poll up about when you played your first Forex video game. We'd really like it if you would head over to our site and vote on that. Uh mm-hmm. we'll be interested in what you have to say. Absolutely. And uh this time around, we're gonna try. We tried something new. We I didn't have an easy out for anybody, so it's just a straight up poll. Four choices. No, nothing cute about it. No, no double entendres. No tongue in cheek. Just, just vote your conscience or vote your history, I guess. And then, um, real quickly, at the time that you hear this, our 
latest exposition is going to be out called what is the forex what the forex genre can learn from war games and this is kind of a result of a post that's maybe a year old maybe a little bit more if i remember correctly and this is kind of like the culmination the original post writer or author was micah one of the staffers here and he wrote this as well and it's 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 a very good read and I hope that developers, I'm going to, you know, kind of do a blast out for it when it's up tomorrow and try to draw some some eyes from some of the development studios that we have good relations with and some of the ones that ignore us because maybe they'll, they'll see something of value in there because that's ultimately what we try to do with expositions. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk about games we're playing. I'll go ahead and go first because I'm really brief. The only thing I had time for this week was uh, World of Tanks Blitz. Mm-hmm. I'm just playing, having fun, earning credits. And, mm-hmm. and if the next patch was supposed to be a major rework of the game, like a uh-huh. massive rework, but uh-huh. they've put that off. So oh. whenever that happened, like I might write up an exposition for it because it'll it'll be almost a whole new game at that point. Anyhow, what about you? Wait, so that's all you played? Yep. Oh, I actually have a question for you. Um, you wrote our excursion for World of Warships, right? Right. What's happening with that? We don't re- um, we don't hear anything about that game. No, well, they they started introducing a lot of new ships and they uh-huh. ruined the game balance of it, and they uh-huh. just haven't got it figured out yet. So and, th- after all this time, so did it like, get abandoned? No, 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 no. By the no. community, there, I don't people, mean them. I don't mean no, them. no, no. There's still people playing it, and I don't know. They just so there's like an optimal ship. Like okay, if you have this right. ship, you will not lose. Right. right. So. Well, you shouldn't say would not, but it it just makes it unfun. They're working on it. All right. So, yeah, for me, I've been continuing my quest hunt in Endless Legend. And I I kid you not, like sometimes I let the turn just like I leave it and I just watch it. And I scroll around the map and zoom in on things and look at things. It is just such a beautiful game. And then I, I read what the various descriptions for the resources and for the anomalies and listen to the music. It's just like, ah, that's good. But I don't mean I don't do that for hours at a time. But like sometimes I'll take like a turn, like five minutes instead of two minutes, you know, or one minute. I'll take a little bit more time here and there. But within my playtime on Steam, my official playtime, it is back up to my number two most played game. So it's still got a ways to go before it replaces Civ Five, but it has taken back its spot from XCOM Two, and that's that's saying something right there. Because you know how much time I played XCOM Two in the oh, last yeah, couple of years. Doubt. Yeah, no kidding. So there's that. I've also been playing, like I said earlier, Oriental Empires, and yeah, like I. The more I play it, so like at a quick glance, somebody can leave with an impression with like aggressors. Oh, there's so much information here. I don't want to know all of this. Oh, it's it's not this or that. And okay, it, it's just I bounce off of it. It's not interesting. But the truth of it is, it actually is interesting. And the combat in the game is better than Total War, even though in Total War you have it's it's elements of RTS combat where you just, you know, you can highlight a unit or your hero or whole sections. Okay, I want you to attack here. I want you to do so. You get this fine control, right? But that's not how combat really works. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So so in here, you give your units orders and then you can have them in particular um, orientations or like, okay, when you engage, we want you to follow through. Even if you're taking injuries, keep chasing them down. Or we want you facing a particular direction in an engagement. And that really changes how combat works because you basically, it's it's the we-go system. Everything in the game is turn-based, but once you're done, when you click, you know, next turn, all the unit movement happens. So if you send your army, so it's kind of like how it happens in the Crusader Kings 2 in Europa and Europa in Wars 4. When you send your stuff in a particular direction, then a resolution happens. And based on what orders you gave, you you can watch. You can zoom in super close and watch and zoom out. So that's when, that's the thing. I try not to zoom in too close because then you see how many repetitive faces there are. So you're like, okay, these are the clone armies fighting each other. So I, I stay away from that. But when you zoom in enough, you get to see what they're doing. And it's, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I, 
be ready for further elaboration in my review of the game. And uh, a little bit more for Triumph, which I'm enjoying. Like, I reached as far as I can reach at this point, but I, I bought the game. So once it gets to the next stage, basically when they release the next chapter, I'll play it. But I say that not because that this is the full release, but it's still an early access, you know, so... They're get, they're taking feedback. They're looking for bugs. They're still tweaking things, and I'm really enjoying it. It's it's very much tongue in cheek. It's fantasy. It's uh it's not low fantasy. It's high fantasy. So you have magic in the game. You have a lot of like humor, and it's good humor, and I'm enjoying it. And I fired up Star Control a little bit more, and I'm still I still can't beat. I cannot even though I know that in my build I can't get out into the wider universe i have a press build and they don't want us spoiling the story but there's a ship that you're supposed to defeat and i'm just i I still didn't get a controller to try and take it out that way but like playing with keyboard and mouse i'm not good anymore i don't know if i was ever good but honestly at this point i'm genuinely not good and i can't beat the ship and it's really frustrating but not like oh i hate this game let me give it a low review like some people would do i'm like okay i just i need to get good get good you know, so it, it's fun. It's great. It's good, good writing, good humor, you know, good music. So we'll see. I hope that the greater community, if they decide to play the game, give it a chance, get to enjoy it because there's a lot to enjoy there. If you're a Star Control fan. And awesome. I think Very that's cool. it. I think that's it. All right. Well, is there anything you want to say before we close this one up? Uh, two things. This is our 200th episode. So we oh, have that's now, right, yeah. yeah, we've been recording this for 200 episodes and it's awesome. It's been great. And so thank you for avid and loyal listeners. And hopefully, new people are checking it out. And I know we have a good following because I can see how many downloads we have. And we have, we have a good amount of downloads. So thank you. And thank you to our patrons who support us. You, you're all awesome. We, you have no idea how much we appreciate you. And I think the next major purchase that your money is funding is a new chair for Troy because poor Troy has a really <laughs> creaky chair. So when he records, he has to find this uncomfortable position, like old school where people had to stand with clothes hangers to try and get reception on the TV. Well, this is <laughs> Troy recording it into some weird crooked position. So it doesn't squeak because if it squeaks, you guys can be like, what's going on? This recording is horrible. There's all kinds of crazy noises. That's just this chair. So that, so your help is going to get him a new chair. So if you have a suggestion, you're like, oh, man, this chair is the best. Go ahead and let us know on Patreon or let us know in the comments here, and we'll definitely take it under consideration. <laughs> and uh, hoping that our YouTube team starts putting out some stuff. But this summer has been long, and everybody's got young kids myself included, so I totally understand. But uh, Dallin and Ben continue streaming at least once a week, and I think the last time they streamed, they streamed Interplanetary, so that was kind of neat. Oh, that's a fun game. Yeah, so, you know, if you guys would like to see him play something in particular, again, let us know. They they post a thread in the forum, like the Tuesday night or Thursday night stream, or leave it in the comments here. We're always open to suggestions. And I think that's it. Just thank you for reading our stuff. We love re- hearing back from you guys. We don't necessarily agree with you. And you definitely don't always agree with us. But having this discourse is awesome. And uh, I think that's it. Anything from you? Nope, that'll do. So we'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week. We really enjoyed having you. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya. Thank you.